last week on Lore Seekers. Well, how did you meet those new friends? Did you get on one of those internet websites? Well, we all stayed in a hotel room that one time in Louisiana, so there's that. <laughs> oh my god, don't ever say that again. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There is so much good audio content coming out on ESO. It's Look, ESO is not just Twitch streams. It's not just people on social media. There is a whole growing, which is amazing. Let me tell you, four years after a game has launched and there's uh, interest and surge in podcasting on a game? Look, dudes, that's, unless you're like World of Warcraft, that's nuts. That's unheard of. Okay? That does not happen. You, traveler, what do you know of this land? Do you wish to learn of its law? Come, <laughs> rest your weary feet and warm yourself by the fire. Let's share some mead, listen to tales of misadventure, and learn of Tamriel's rich history with the law seekers. <laughs> ah, here they are now. Jibs like and corpse? cash. First question yeah do you like it it's not bad you know a little okay. little hairy though i don't know it feels a little spiky oh okay well uh yeah you're pretty accurate that's bat meat oh yeah so you're eating a winged rodent mm. well he tastes good <laughs> exactly oh hey yeah look who's here welcome friend Welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Have you a seat. Welcome to this wonderful, awful, scary, happy place. This wonderful Delve here. Cash will hook you up with a drink. Uh, so what's, uh, what you been up to? What you, what's, what's, uh, been going on? I've been playing. I've been playing. I've been playing and writing, still doing the same things, having a great time with our, um, with our guild events that we've been doing. Uh, we have some outstanding folks helping us out with guild events in the form of Gen DVM and Blood Eye. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been doing some events this past week, and uh, then I've been just kind of hanging out more with the folks, right? Doing some writing and still working on my my Healy Templar, not my Healy Templar, my uh, Magicka DPS mm-hmm. Templar. Nice. Very nice. Writing with him and. Um, yeah, a little decorating this week. That's a bad kitty. Mm. Yeah, a little decorating going on this week, and it's been uh, it's been fun to kind of hop back in there and decorate. And you and I will be revealing something to our guild. Should we tell them? Because no, absolutely. Oh wait, not. no, it's the following Sunday. Okay, yeah, yes, yeah. I'm no, pretty sure there. they can figure Ooh. it out. Our storyline has to reach its pinnacle. Dun dun dun. Yeah, this Before is the last one, right? We can release. Uh, no, there's one more. Oh, is there one more? Oh, okay. okay. One more after this one, and then we will close out Volume 2. Yeah. And then get sassy for Volume 3. Okay. Did you say sassy? Yeah. Sassy. Oh, okay. Yeah, and Christmassy. Fantastic. I can't wait for Christmas. Yes. Yeah. I guess. Christmas will be, a, will be a good time. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. Uh, so, I this past weekend, I was in Indianapolis, and... Uh, I was teaching people, teaching some good friends of mine, 
because uh, they gifted me ESO and Xbox, so I was diving into Xbox ESO all weekend. Traitor. And, man, you know, like that. once you get past that initial shock factor of, wow, this is different, wow, I don't have add-ons, and wow, this kind of makes you feel like oblivion, you know, with the first-person view. Once you get past, you know, the, the, the initial shock of not having any add-ons, it's. I actually started really enjoying it. Uh, yeah. It's like yeah. I said, you know, it really brought back those feels of when I first stepped out of the sewers in Oblivion all those years ago, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is awesome! And so when you're spell casting, you know, your controller starts vibrating, so you can actually feel your basic attacks. Which I'm like, oh man, wouldn't that be cool to have that in a mouse or something? But so yeah, it was cool. It was fun. Yeah. So you know what you just did? What? Two things. You made me want to play on Xbox or PS4 to give it a shot. <laughs> and you also made me want to go pick up those nostalgic games and play them again. Because I do, yeah. I remember that. It just that one term that you said of stepping out of the sewer yep. into the world. I will never forget that moment. And just going, holy crap. This right. game is going to be massive. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's exactly well how done. I felt. Like, Because uh, uh, it starts you out in first person. And initially I was moving around. I'm like, oh. Oh, my gosh. I'm in Elder Scrolls again on console. It just brings back. It brought back so many feels. And, uh, you know, it's actually funny you talk about that because uh, I think I have Xbox Game Pass. And I think I can download Bolivian. I may give that a whirl. But, no, it's. Oh, boy. Yeah. But um, it was fun. You know, I, I don't. I really don't have any complaints. It's a slower pace, um, so you have to keep in mind things aren't are not so instant. So you're not going to have a mini map. So you know you're kind of getting your surroundings more. And on top of that, the, while I was playing, there's just so many more menus to go through to get from point A to point B. You know, we don't have hotkey like a whole keyboard of hotkeys or whatever. And so it's very menu-y, but um, it's a slower pace and it's fun. I enjoyed it. It was good. Yeah, I found that, uh, like, even when I'm watching YouTube videos on builds, it's different and difficult for me to follow along when the creator of the build video is going through that interface. Because I'm so not used to that interface, it's like, I don't know where to look. Right. And sometimes they scroll through it so fast yeah. that it's it, I'm just not used to that interface. So I think that would probably be the biggest challenge for me moving from PC to console. Now, I'm not saying I'm going to, but it would be kind of cool to dabble and be able to you know hang out with our folks on right. Xbox and PS4 from time to time. Um, but I, I really do see, like, we have a member in Lore Seekers, Shoe Swapper, and he actually used to run our Xbox Guild. And right. then he moved over, and then Fairgall took over. But he moved over from Xbox to PC, and I he's doing very well now on PC because his uh, CP is getting back up there again. But just listening to him talk about um, how high level his character was on Xbox, and now he's having to start from scratch on PC, it's like, oh, man, that's like bare bones. Yeah. Yeah. That would suck. Yeah. It's kind of like I'm kind of treating it as that's kind of like my trial account like i'm trying things i i wouldn't ever do in pc um right like i think i was i was working or i have a stamina dragonite soon to be werewolf that i'm working on there 
and something I would never do in PC, or at least even normally would do. So that's kind of how I'm treating it. It is fun, though. Yeah, shout out to Fairgall. Well, they all welcomed me with open arms. Turns out, I guess I was their 100th member in the Xbox Lore Seeker Guild chapter, so that was fun. Oh, you planned that. You totally planned that. I had no idea. And I got, and they gave me some gifties. It was, they were very kind. They were very Did kind. you get, like, confetti and, like, a gift certificate for a new pair of Levi's? They gave me my birth certificate. That's what it was. Awesome. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So it was fun. It was a good time. But anyway... Uh, well, everyone, welcome. This is the Lore Seekers Podcast, where we chitty-chat about Elder Scrolls Online. This is episode 13 of Volume 2, and we are your hosts. I am Jibs, and I'm joined by Cash. In just a short couple of weeks, we're going to have a new release for Elder Scrolls. <laughs> It's the uh, yeah. It's Tamriel's pooper. That's where we're going. Yep, we're going to the sewers. Actually, the where the sewers lead to. Yeah, that's where we're headed. Much. So get your galoshes, get your galoshes. and get your inoculations. <laughs> get your shots because there's going right. to be lots and lots of diseases. But anyway, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome. Last week on the show, episode twelve, we talked about the Crown Store Showcase for October. Talked about Black Rose Prison, answered your fan mail, and we started Lore Lessons on Vampires. Now, this week on the show, we're going to be talking Merc My Release Date. That's been finally announced, released, all those good things. We're answering your fan mail, and we're talking the Kirith Vampire Clan and ESO Vampirism. We're, we're continuing the spooky Frostfall vibe here today. So, there's that. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm always ready, my friend. Fantastic. Well, I found some sheets here. And Turns out there was a corpse. And he actually has some fresh news. All right. Here we go. Uh, announcing the Merkmire release dates and prologue quests. This coming to us from the official ESO website. And uh, that being said, yeah, it's official. Merkmire DLC Game Pack will be releasing on October 22nd for PC and Mac. And November 6th for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One. They kind of detail this a little bit here. This new zone and adventure will be available for all, or I'm sorry, free for all ESO Plus members and for purchase with crowns from the Endgame Crown Store. In addition to this, all ESO players can acquire the Merkmire DLC for free as a daily reward during the month of October. This part I really like. All you need to do is log in for a total of 24 days. That's much more lenient than the 100,000 that I missed by day. <laughs> I can't believe you missed that. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was awful. Sucks. Yeah, that was a that was a giant molag ball bag right there. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. What else? Uh, Merkmire Prologue. Now, I know you and I tried to do this on stream last night. Turns out <laughs> we kind of sucked at it. But uh, just like in Somerset Prelaunch, the Merkmire Prologue quest is now available. Just like, yeah, that was kind of weird. Yeah, I, wasn't it? I I think the problem was that we were we were concentrating more on chat room and all that stuff. So we we missed a couple quest markers, and we were like, you know, maybe questing isn't the best thing to do on a stream. So we went to PvP and then got melted for a couple hours. No, we did pretty good. We did pretty good. Yeah, yeah, we had a couple of really good matches. Yeah, yeah. 
so yeah, folks, we did a surprise stream the other day, and uh, if if you're not following us on Twitch, you sh you should definitely do that thing. We do random streams, and we just kind of hang out and meet and greet, and that's uh, twitch.tv slash Podcast. But, so yeah, we tried to do the prologue, and I I personally think it's not group-friendly. I don't, it just, like, I was, you were getting quest markers I wasn't getting, but I talked to the same people you had, so I don't, it wasn't updating right, I don't know. But anyway, so right. to get started, right. you pick up the first quest either from the Crown Store, which is free by the way, or from Cyrodelic Collections. Quote, help wanted posters that can be found in the cities of Vocal Guard, Daggerfall, or Daver Davin's Watch. So, right. yeah. The lore for this is uh, you're tasked with helping helping Concordia, Mercius, and Cyrodelic collections recover looted Argonian relics taken from Black Marsh. As you progress, you'll learn about some of the dangers associated with a certain special relic and get a glimpse of what's to come with the Merkmire DLC game pack. Uh, this uh, prologue quest features two unique story quests and six daily quests that you col that you have that you uh, completing. You basically collect items leading up to the journey to Merkmire. If you complete both story quests, will be rewarded with the Merkmire Gravestake Memento, an important relic for those Argonians who live and thrive in the deep swamp. And on top of that, when you complete one of the six new daily quests, you'll receive a reward box that can contain a selection of useful Merkmire-themed items, including a chance to pick... This is the big part. Probably, I, I could, you know, more probably for more so for collectors, but including a chance to pick up one of seven fragments required to create the adorably squishy Swamp Jelly Pen. See, I like this. I like the way that they did this. They made it more fun and a little bit more robust leading up to Merkmire. I think that was a really smart move on their part. Because like, if you hearken back to the Somerset Prologue quest, it was cool getting to hang with Vanis Galarian. But the quest, once it was done, it was done. And then that was it. Then we had to like sit there and wait. Yeah. This kind of tickles you all the way up to the release of Merkmar, which is now, you know, as we talk about this, it's like less than 10 days away. Yeah. Yeah. I like how, or, I like how they well, did this. It gives you right. a reason. It, it What it really does for you is, because I remember leading up to, pre, what was it, Somerset, when we did the prologue for that, you know, like in the moment you were like, oh man, that was great. And then you were done for however many weeks it was. And then you kind of lost, you know, just because of time and life, you you kind of, all right, how'd that prologue quest go again? Oh, yeah, it was this and this and this. Whereas with this prologue, it seems like it's keeping you connected. So you, there really isn't so much of a disconnect between the time this prologue starts leading up to launch. So exactly, I personally exactly. feel like I'm more connected because of this. And I like it. It's good. It's fun. Me too. Now, I I think they picked the wrong date to release it. Uh, what do you mean? Personally, well, I'm going to be out of town. Oh, yeah. They, they didn't abide by your schedule? No. Nope. It's okay, though. <laughs> it's only two days. I sh I'll be back yeah. on the 25th. Right. So I'll still get plenty of time in there. But I do have a little bone. Mm. I got a little bone to pick. Okay. So we covered 
Last week we covered the release of that very super Halloweeny pack uh-huh. that they're putting out for housing. Uh-huh. It doesn't come out to like almost the end of the month. Yeah, it's Halloweener. Yeah, we are, there's tons of people decorating their houses, and those items are perfect. Yeah, for decorating your house. So for us, unfortunately. Our folks for our Lore Seekers Halloween party and um, housing contest for Halloween, they're going to miss out on having those items as part of the judging. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so, I'll be honest. kind of sucked. I, I really can't think of a reason why it, I, it, it doesn't necessarily click as to why it's not released earlier in the month. Because then you can, because it takes, the, here's the thing is that, you know, you can buy these items, but it takes time to get everything just right, especially if you're a decorator. People are, look, they are obsessed with making sure everything looks just right, and it's not right. like something you can do instantly. So I see where you're coming from, definitely. Um, yeah. I wish, That's it. I would kind of wish we had it earlier, too, but it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Um, so, yeah, by the way, folks, this is second to the last episode of Volume 2. We're going to be wrapping that up. And after that, next week will be our last episode for Volume 2. Then the following week, there won't be a normal episode. It's going to be a combination, a culmination of all of Volume 2's lore lessons combined into a single episode, which is probably going to be something around like seven to eight hours again, like the first one was. Which, by the way, there's people, they're binging our shows. But you know what they're binging the most of? A freaking lore lesson compilation. <laughs> I feel bad for all of you. You got to put up with my voice for all those hours. Oh, Sorry. man. It was, uh, I, it kind of surprised me. I'm like, wow, what did they, oh, they're listening to that. All right, right on. So, yeah, it's uh, it's pre- it's fun because it's a timeless episode. And anytime you see those, so, you, I mean, if you ever want to learn about Argonies, et cetera, and everything's time marked as well, I believe, in the uh, episode release pages. So we'll do the same thing again, but. And then the following week, we will return with Volume 3. Maybe we'll uh, talk some details about that sometime soon. I don't know what we're going to do, how we're going to handle that. i gotta, I got to watch what I say, because Cash will cut me. I in, will. In my sleep. <laughs> I'll cut you. No, but our, uh, our storyline is wrapping up, and hopefully you guys have enjoyed it as much as I have enjoyed putting it together for you. Uh, some twists, some fun stuff, and... Um, yeah, we'll see where we end up here for the and and our if you're part of the Lore Seekers Guild um, and going to be part of the upcoming holiday events, then you'll want to make sure you don't miss out on that storyline. And if I think we'll most likely end up releasing all those together, yeah, as some kind of a special release, so you get all of Volume Two and shoot, I'd imagine it would be upwards of an Ooh, hour's worth, probably, yeah. You know, maybe an hour and a half or so of storyline stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. If you dug it, if you haven't heard it, we'll put it all together for you yeah. in one spot. Yeah. In fact, let us know. We want to hear from you. If you want that all wrapped up in a single episode, pretty much a novel, an audio book, if you will, of our adventures from Volume 2, let us know. And uh, we'll look at doing that. Uh, okay. This just... Literally released. Got a notification. Literally right now as we're recording. Okay, cool. Well, let's just let's go through this. Ooh, uh, I'm scared. I'm scared. Yeah, well, I am a little too. 
<laughs> uh, it says this is from the official ESO website. It says, quote, take part in ESO's end of year events. And unlock an Endric mount. Ooh. Ah, we had a feeling that was coming. Okay. Uh, it says here in quotes, and we're literally doing this live, folks. This is in show notes, so just we'll, we're going to go through this together. We'll see what this is about. Would you like to have your own Endric mount? Yes. Well, the wait is almost over. <laughs> Take part in the Elder Scrolls Online's upcoming events between October and December to summon a majestic beast of your own. Completely free. And here we can learn how. Uh, see here. Tells a little bit about the Endrix normally roaming the Isle of Somerset. These beasts have are especially powerful magical creatures. Uh, it says, in order to acquire a brand new, they're called, calling this nascent? Nascent? I believe it's nascent. Uh, Endric Mount, you must take part in ESO's four upcoming in-game events detailed below and collect four magical feathers with a different one available for each specific event. Okay, so here's how it works. Uh, it says here, number one, during an in-game event, collect event tickets by participating in that event's daily activities. Okay. Uh, you can earn event tickets from one activity per account per day. Number two, collect ten event tickets and use them to buy the Endric feather specific to that event from the new merchant known as the Impresario. Oh, nice. The Impresario is located at a special booth in Daggerfall in Glenumbra, Davin's Watch in Stonefalls, and Vocal Guard in Aradon. It says, once you have all four feathers, use them to summon your own Endric Mount. Now, this is going to take some time, from what I'm gathering, because you have to do this for every single event. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It says, every time a new in-game event starts, you'll be able to purchase the new Endric Feather and any previous feathers. You are not locked out of purchasing feathers from previous events, so if you weren't able to com- collect enough event tickets previously, you'll always have a chance to catch up. All right, so they really want you to get this mount. Heads up. They are giving us some chances for this. And by the way, the way this thing looks, it's an Endric. It, I, I don't even know how to describe this. It's like a feathered deer <laughs> looks kind of like the one that you kill. Yeah. In, um, Somerset? In, uh, no, in um, March Sacrifices. Oh, good call. Yep. For the for the memento, yep. for the werewolf memento. Yep, good call. Looks like its eyes are nice and red, or a tint of, tint of red, and its fur yeah, is like really a light brown. Yeah, pretty cool looking. Yeah. It looks like a mix between a large, long-eared dog and... Uh, I guess you could say a cow elk. I would say if a dog, a deer, and a griffin had a baby, this is what we'd be getting. Oh, griffin, yeah, because there's feathers. Too. Yeah, there's the feathers. In there. He's cool. Yeah, he is cool. Uh, so it actually, we actually get some official dates on upcoming ESO events, and again, to get these feathers, you got to earn tickets. To earn tickets, you got to do the daily activities in these events. So. Witches Festival. It's actually, we actually got a date: October eighteenth through November first. To earn event tickets during the Witches Festival, we must acquire Dremora Plunder Skulls. That's the currency. You will receive one event ticket alongside the first Dremora Plunder Skull you earn each day, in addition to other regular rewards. So there's that: October eighteenth, November first. We got the Witches Festival. 
Uh, next, we got Clockwork City celebration event. That's fun. I didn't know that was a, a holiday. Huh. Uh, it's gonna be. I'm excited about that. Uh, I still have to do that zone. Have you done that zone? I've never done it. Nah, I've done about a quarter of it. Quarter of it? I gotta do it. Clockwork. It's terrible. It's terrible. To be a guy who likes lore and say you've only done a quarter of it. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, the celebration event for Clockwork City is November 15th to the 26th. So we get 14 days off from the Witches Festival, and then we got another event. So that's awesome. Uh, to earn event tickets during the Clockwork City celebration event, you must complete the DLC Zone's daily quests. You will receive two event tickets from the first daily quest you complete each day. You must own or have access to the Clockwork City DLC game pack in order to participate. So there is that. And then we get a three-day break. Man, they're really hitting these events hard here. Then we have the Undaunted Celebration event happening from November 29th through December 5th. To earn event tickets for the Undaunted Celebration event, you must complete a dungeon, normal or vet, you will receive three event tickets from the final boss of the first dungeon you complete in addition to the normal rewards. Three event tickets? Wow. Yeah, you don't have to be in a random dungeon looking for group or LFG group to earn your event tickets. And then this uh, this last one, this is the, the second one I'm most excited about, which is Festival. And this one, New Life Festival, it's happening from December 13th through January 2nd. To earn event tickets during the New Life Festival, you must complete the New Life Festival quests. You will receive one event ticket the first time you complete a quest each day. So there's that. And then they, uh, we got a picture of what each feather looks like. They're all unique. Um, keep an eye out for official announcement articles closer to each event start date. Okay, okay. Note that you can only carry 12 event tickets at a time. And they are account-wide currency that can't be traded. Uh, be sure to pick up those Endric Feathers before trying to earn more. Don't forget the amount of event tickets you can earn per day depends on the event, one, two, or three. And you need ten event tickets in total to purchase a single feather. So, long story short, we're going to be getting 40 tickets total. That's what you need to get all the feathers. Man, I got my work cut out for me when I get back from the old trip, Jibs. Yeah. yeah. That's cool, though. I, I like how they're doing missing. that. Yeah, I love how they're doing it. This is uh, this is really kind of neat. It gets people into the game, uh, gets people interested in it, and then people who are going to be um, doing the event. I, I personally think there's more of a chance for people to join in the game during the holidays when, or come back to the game during the holidays when they know that there is just like rapid fire events one after the other and you can get exclusive rewards. I think it brings a lot of people back to the game. Yeah. And I think if anything what I, my opinion what they're doing is they're giving you the player probably more so more so now than ever a reason to daily get in this game. We've got these events that are really close together coming up starting in just what when this episode releases uh, like sixteen days or six days, and yeah. it just it's going to go till January second, pretty for the most part. Uh, and then on top of that, you've got the daily rewards, which you know you're getting crates. Right. Last week, last month we got the hundred k gold, and then just outfits and pets, and then 
DSL Plus is getting redone soon, so we've got that as well, and new rewards for that. There. Mm. You know what this game needs? Yeah. This game needs something that we can do on our phones. Oh. I, I know. Ooh. Another thing. Another thing. We have Blades coming up. I know it's not... We have... Well, yeah. No, yeah. But... Don't get me wrong. You, there's Elder Scrolls Legends and Elder Scrolls Blades. But I'm specifically talking something for ESO that you can do on your phone when you're yeah. not playing the game. Yeah. How awesome would that be? Like that complete be immersion... Yeah, oh my gosh. You know what? So much fun. I'll do you one better. And not to break lore, but this is something Blizzard did very, very well. Uh, probably, you think they started doing it two years ago? I, I really don't know. Don't remember. Forgive me. But they started connecting their games. So you play one game like Hearthstone, and you would unlock oh, something yeah. for WoW. I would love to see that for ESO. So if I play T- T- uh, Elder Scrolls Legends, I get something in ESO. If I'm playing Blades, and you know what I mean? If you go back and play old games, old like Skyrim or Oblivion, you know, just bring those, connect those games like that, because that's it was so yeah. unbelievably cool. Because it gave you a reason not only to spend more money, <laughs> which look, they're a company, they want to make money, but also it brought you in further to the lore of the IP that you were playing. So. Man, that's what I want. Agreed. Oh, that would be outstanding if there was some type of an interface. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Where you could see where your friends are and, you know, what they're doing and when they log in and then what they're working on. I would love something like that with yeah. Elder Scrolls. Yeah. How fun. Yeah, maybe update that. Do an overhaul in the launcher. That'd be that'd be fun. That yeah. would be fun. All right. Well, uh, that's the news for the week. We want to hear from you. What do you all think? You can call us at 765-382-6961. 765-382-6961. You can also email us, loreseekerspodcast at gmail.com. That's all I got. My part's done. Yep, I'm not even going to let you thinking about it, or let you think about it. Careful, here we go. Today, we're going to continue a little bit with our lore lesson from last week on vampires. Mm -hmm. And I promised you that there was a very important clan of vampire that lurked in Valen Wood that we were going to cover today. Mm -hmm. So, today we're going to talk about the Kirill vampires. And then, if you're really, if your interest is really piqued in vampirism, we're going to talk about how... You become a vampire in ESO, and what are the pros and the cons? They're all yeah. pros. Minus the fire. Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> there are some Minus cons. <laughs> but but uh, I'm really enjoying my, my vampire. I have two vampire characters, but this one I'm actually engaged in and playing him. It's because I'm RPing him, you know, with myself. Of course you are. But um, I'm, I know, I'm such a I expect geek. nothing less. That's right. All right, so anyway, Lore Lesson 31. Let's jump in. 31 freaking Lore Lessons. Oh my gosh, dude. How many? 31? That's a lot. 31? This is 31? Good gracious. Yep. That's right. I think it's 31. Yeah, I think it's 31. Okay, a lot anyway. Of lore. The Kirill Vampires, 
as we spoke about last week, they are found in the Shade Mist Moors of Greenshade. The Kirilth clan, also known as the Shade Mist Vampires, is one of the four major clans located in the forest province of Valenwood, one of my favorites. They're known mostly for their ability to turn into mists, and the Kirilth vampires have an innate weakness to water. And they can be vaporized rather easily if they're attacked while in that mist form. Sounds like a basic flaw in design, (laughs) if you ask me. (laughs) Because vampires are supposed to be insanely awesome. But these ones, it turns out, if you have a spray bottle, you can handle the problem. Fantastic. Yeah. Well. Can that be an item in game? Whatever. Spray bottle. (laughs) (laughs) So during the timeline of ESO that in which we are playing. The Kirilth clan has inhabited uh, a rather lengthy cave system on the outskirts of Woodhearth near the township of Longhaven. So in a quest line that details the infamous vampire clan by the name of Mist and Shadow, that's the name of the quest line, the player will learn that the clan has been terrorizing the residents of Longhaven. The township is so fed up with it that they hire a vampire hunter by the name of Mel Adris, a Dunmer warrior, to call the threat. Now, this dude is really a cool character. So don't pass up this quest. It's really pretty cool. Uh, Mel Adris was quite dedicated to his craft and, uh, and also to ridding all of Tamriel of the vampiric threat. It just turns out you run into him um, in this particular area for the quest Mist and Shadow. Now, I will not reveal the outcome of the quest line. That is not my job. That is your job. This is yours to find and enjoy, and it's really a fun quest. So, like I said before, don't don't pass this up. Get back to Green Shade. So, after the resolution of the quest line, the Kirilth clan continues to plague the land. A Bosmeri member of the vampire clan by the name of Galareth, female. She's also known as, she's known through myth as the Wild Witch. But she is said to be the only person who can cure others of vampirism. Ooh. Yes, the plot thickens. Mm. Galareth, she's a part of a follow up quest to Mist and Shadow, and this quest is actually called Lost in the Mist, where a Bosmeri bard, there are bards in Elder Scrolls in which a Bosmeri bard by the name of Thorinor asks the player to find his missing wife, Elsinia. She was among the original residents of Longhaven that went missing, presumably presumably as a result of the Kirilth clan's infestation of the area. Hmm. So, I will not reveal how that quest ends, because the fun of experiencing these quests and their outcomes is yours. No spoilers. So go solve the issues as part of your own adventures. I think that you'd really have a good time. Now's the time. But I think now's the time. Yeah, it's uh, Halloweener, yep. so get after it. Let's transition to talking about player vampires in ESO. Because this one is now an important part of my current gameplay. And I'm really kind of enjoying it. Like, look at everything. So how do you become a vampire in ESO? There's a few different ways. The first one, if you know a vampire, ask them. 
So if you have a friend in ESO who's been afflicted with the disease, it can be a beneficial relationship because he will feed on you and then you catch the disease, turning yourself into a vampire. As long as your friend has the passive ability in the vampire skill line unlocked, and that is called blood ritual. That means that he or she can transfer the disease to another willing player, not just willy-nilly, you've got to be willing, once per week. The process takes place at a vampire altar shrine where your vampire friend visited during their own induction to the disease. So there's certain places in the game that that has to take place. You know, I'm not really into being a troll at all. But if there was ever a time I wanted to be one, it'd be right now. Like if you want, they want you to take them someplace, and you group up and you're a vampire, and you take them to the shrine and you just feed on them. Hmm. My friend, I can provide this for you. I don't know if that's ever been a thing. I'm not saying it should be a thing, but man, would that be funny? Would you like a bite? <laughs> no. It will only cost you 10,000 gold. Oh, fantastic. No! No, Cash! That's a bad boy, and we're going to talk about paying for vampire bites in just a minute. So hold your shorts on. Okay, second way. Join a vampire guild. Now, I did not know this until I started research, but it makes total sense. As a roleplay alternative, many guilds exist in ESO where being a vampire is not only the premise, but also a requirement. So they may, as part of their induction or their acceptance requirements, provide a new member with the opportunity to become a vampire, specifically in the realm of roleplay. Now, I know myself, if I was running a roleplay guild that was specifically for vampires, which is a great idea, but no, I don't have the time for that, I would definitely make this an option for players who are interested in doing so, where you set up some type of a role play event where that person gets bitten and now all of a sudden you they bring you or you bring them into your fold. So or like I was just saying you could start your own vampire guild providing you have the disease, the disease yourself to spread to other new members. I personally saw this as an extremely awesome way to RP as a vampire. I'm like that sounds like so much freaking fun. How much RP could you write? And how much, you know, of a storyline could you get into in your guilds, in in an RP vampire guild, with this type of basis? That is it would be very awesome. unique. Yes, very much. And the same thing for werewolves. Yeah. I mean, you literally could make your own script in between a werewolf and a vampire RP guild. Such as, like, what was the name of that super cheesy movie, that a movie series that's out there? Twilight? Twilight. Yep. Where, like, you sparkle and you fall in love and... Uh, you want to sparkle, Cash? No. I want to vomit now that I brought that up. <laughs> that's what I wanted to. Uh, so, speaking of vomiting, another way to get attacked, or to uh, get the disease of vampirism is to get attacked by a blood fiend. So... Not an easy way, but it is a way that this can be done. If you want to start off your vampiric adventures all by your lonesome, you could seek out these NPC vampires called blood fiends. 
These NPCs are not spawned all the time, however. The ones that can actually give you vampirism are not spawned all the time. And you got to seek them out at certain times and places. So there's places in Bankerai, there's places in Reaper's March, and there's places in the Rift that are common, commonly known to um, have these blood fiends spawn. Now, these particular ones only spawn at night, typically around server time, midnight, and every few days. So there is a chance that these particular blood fiends that can give you the disease may have already been killed by players by the time you reach them, which kind of makes it more fun. But once you find them, if they attack you and hit you two to three times, you can become infected. And once you become infected, this triggers a quest for you to complete and then if you, if you want to know whether or not you've been infected, just look at your uh, active effects on your character screen. And if it says vampirism, then you know you're now among the undead. So, kind of. I wonder if there's not a awesome. way to make that into an event. I mean, like, player-hosted um, event. I, would I don't know how that would work, be. but I think that sounds fun. Okay. Another opportunity to become a vampire. Buying a bite. Yeah. Yeah. So this is 100% your prerogative. There are two ways to buy a bite. The first, the infected player can sell a bite. So my, my character, when my bite's up, I could say, okay, because you get one bite per week. I could say vampire bite for sale over zone chat, which would make me a total douche. And then person says, I want to do it. I'll pay you such and such a money or you name your price. And then you go and you bite them and the process ensues. I do not like this at all. Because I think these should be free. They come to you for free. Give them for free. Come on. Just be cool. Anyway. Yeah, I've had people that are really about like they were, they'll always give it free for guildies. Especially if you're in a large trade guild, reach out in the trade guild. And then I've also come across people that they were given a free bite, so therefore they pay it forward. And they will always get exactly. free bites because they were yeah. given ones. So. Yeah, so all I'm saying is don't pay for a bite. If you're really in a hurry, another way to get it done is to actually buy the token from the Crown Store. You can do this for both um, um, lycanthropy, lycanthropy, which is very werewolfism. And vampirism, there's tokens for each in the crown store. I did not check how much they were. I think they're 1500-ish. Yeah, around roughly. there. Yeah. So uh, you can buy from the crown store and then uh, they would start that quest for you. And then all of a sudden, blabbo, you're a vampire. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I would say those two opportunities, uh, buying a bite, those are if you're kind of more desperate. Yeah. But I personally think it's kind of criminal to charge for it, but. Man, I, I'm more against buying it on the Crown Store than I am paying a player. I don't think that's... I just... It's just personal opinion. I do not think stuff like that should be on the Crown Store. You have players yeah. out there, you, and then I just... I don't know. I, I don't feel good about that one. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to take part in it, and I'm always willing to give up my bites for gratis. So anyway, all right. Those ways to get bit by a vampire, get vampirism aside, 
Now you're infected. What do you do now? So once you're infected by the disease, you travel to the nearest way shrine. You'll be greeted by an NPC who will give you a quest by the name of Scion of the Blood Matron. I think, I don't remember having to travel for this though. I think right at the, when I got bit, I think it was right. You bit me, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, it was you. I thought that that quest came up like right away. So are you like my vampire son? Oh. Am I your vampire daddy? I guess. Oh, God. You're my Molag ball bag. I you. <laughs> You're literally my Molag ball bag. Yeah, I'm your master. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. Okay, so this is a solo quest only. You will not be able to group for Scion of the Blood Matron. Um, it, but it really is kind of fun. You learn about the origins of vampirism in Elder Scrolls. You um, so unless you've already listened to the lore lessons, you're going to kind of get it again. It might surprise you. It's really kind of a cool story. And then once you've completed the quest, you will unlock your vampire skill line permanently. It will be yours. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about some pros and cons of vampirism. There certainly are both. Um, first off, there's the stages of vampirism and then the need to feed. So your vampire character will experience four different levels of vampirism. Stage one to two takes 30 minutes of not feeding. Stage two to three takes 60 minutes of not feeding. And after 90 minutes of not feeding, you'll reach stage four. These stages mean different things. What do I mean by not feeding? You literally have to go feed on NPC characters in the game. You sneak up behind them, the little X pops up, and then you can feed off of them. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that coming up. But just know that they will um, aggro. You don't kill the person. You stun them a little bit. And it, with some passives, it increases the stun so you can get away. But you will acquire a bounty for this if you do it within a city. Um, and they will attack you. So unless you just want to flat out kill them, like I normally kind of RP it a little bit. I like to feed and then bail. Because I don't want to take anybody's life because of my choices. So oh, I'm, you're so holy. I know. Let's talk about the stages. Stage one. You take 50% more damage from fire attacks. Is that a pro or a con, Jibs? Yeah. Um, if you're a Dunmer, it doesn't hurt so bad. Right. Exactly. And that's why my character is a Dunmer. Because their some of their passives will negate a lot of these... Um, a lot of the debuffs that you would get from being a vampire. Yep. Stage two, after uh, 30 minutes, your health regenerates 25% slower. You take 50% more damage from fire attacks, but your vampire abilities cost 20% less health to cast. So if you're like a full vampire build, then stage two would, uh, would benefit you, but there are definitely some debuffs that you get from it. Stage three, after 60 minutes of not feeding, your health regenerates 50% slower. That seems like a problem. You take 50% more fire damage, and your vampire, vampirism abilities cost 40% less health to cast. Stage four, the highest stage that you can go, your health regenerates 75% slower. You take 50% more damage from fire attacks, so we're up 200%. And your vampirism abilities cost 60% less health to cast. That is pretty significant at stage four. 
That's my home right there, stage four. Yeah, me too, because I'm lazy. Yeah. Okay. How do you feed as a vampire? Every time you feed, you will drop down your stage by one. I mean, unless you're level one, then you can't drop down anymore. But how to feed, you basically sneak up behind any humanoid in the game and use the feed skill prompt when it pops up. This starts a graphic that shows you basically slurping blood from the unsuspecting victim. I don't like the graphic. I think the graphic should be you biting the NPC's neck. I would like that more. Yeah, because it looks like you're just they're (laughs) like you're just draining them like they are literally a slushy. It looks like you're bathing in their blood, and the bath of blood is going straight into your mouth. Yeah, it's like you're using the force to suck the blood from them from a distance. Exactly, and the person's like up in the air, and they're going ah, you know, their hands are flailing in the air, and then you're literally there, like. Like, with both of your hands, you're, like, moving the blood into your mouth as the stream flows into your mouth. It's actually pretty funny looking. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's, let's talk about some pros of becoming a vampire. Uh, this can be very beneficial to your character depending on how you want to play it. But the, skill, the skills and passives are as follows. Drain Essence. This drains the target's health, dealing magic uh, damage and restoring 20% of your missing health every three seconds. Which is pretty good. And then that morphs into Invigorating Drain and Midnight Drain. Mist Form, a second skill you can get. uh, You'll take 75% less damage. You have immunity to healing magic and control abilities during this time. So you cannot be healed and your magic of recovery is disabled. But you're still taking 75% less damage. So this is like an oh crap button. You know, if you're getting in trouble, you can hit this and get out. You know, because you kind of stealth out a little bit in Mist Form. And then that morphs into Elusive Mist and Baleful Mist. Your ultimate, Bat Swarm, which I just picked up, um, surrounds the caster with a swarm of bats, deals magic damage to nearby enemies for the duration of the effect, and then that morphs into Clouding Swarm and Devouring Swarm. Here is your passives, and this is what I think a lot of people really concentrate on when they become a vampire. It's for these passives. So the first one, Savage Feeding, eh, it's kind of whatever. uh, Feeding stuns the victim for a few seconds, and then um, you can increase that a couple times. So that kind of helps you feed and then get away. Then there's Supernatural Recovery. This one increases Magicka and Stamina Recovery by 5% at Stage 2 and goes up. That one can be significant. Blood Ritual. This allows the player to, uh, to turn other players into vampires every seven days. That's just You just click on it once, and that gives you that particular uh, passive. Undeath increases damage mitigation up to 33% when under 30% health at stage 3. So if you want to keep it at stage 3 or 4, that is going to allow you to mitigate a third of the damage that you're taking when you're about to die. That's a lot. That could be survival and not survival. Mm-hmm. Next one, unnatural resistance. Health recovery increased in stages two through four. That one can be significant. Dark Stalker. That's the last one. This one is 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 a pretty big draw for a lot of people, especially people who play stealthy characters. At stage four, you ignore the movement penalty when crouched or sneaking. And entering sneak is 50% faster at night. That is a lot of fun. Yes, that one's a lot of fun. And in particular for this one, like when I was talking a little bit before about March of Sacrifices, right? 
where yeah. you have to go into those glades and find the Indric and kill the Indric. You do that three times and you get the uh, memento. Well, for that particular fight, for those particular situations, you have to be crouched and avoiding AoE and moving, you know, damage that's moving around. And if you're crouched and moving slowly, you have a higher chance of getting hit. But if you're crouched and you're a vampire at stage four, you're going to move pretty dang quickly. So you can avoid those things easier. So Darkstalker is a definitely a good thing to have. It's great to use, particularly for PvP as well. Um, any kind of object, objective. If you're a, 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 um, a Nightblade and you're playing objective-based uh, PvP matches, that's where you're right at home there. That's it. You will be one of the best uh, objective players. If you right. I think there's a. I think there's you know not just those two. I think there's a lot of situations where all these stages uh, of passives will probably help you out a lot. Right. So, but the problem is staying in the correct stage for what you're trying to accomplish. That right. can be that can be a pain. Most particularly if you're like in a long trial or a dungeon. And you haven't had the opportunity to feed. Um, you can still feed in those areas, but you might endanger your group by doing so. So, I don't know. Your call. So, here are the cons of becoming a vampire. And you can kind of see some of them. But fire vulnerability. Keep in mind your character is going to take 50% extra fire damage as a vampire. Um, although it's easy to avoid, as most fire damage is normally area effect... But difficulty in doing so exponentiates in the end game content. So, like some trials, like um, AA, Ethereum Ar uh, Archives, or Hellra, can be really daunting because there's a ton of fire damage, but not oh impossible. Gosh, yeah. City of uh, Ash 2, anybody? Yeah. Um, oh my god, yeah, for sure. So, uh, in, most, in most of these situations, especially dungeon content, uh, you can just kind of reposition to avoid the fire, and it's not too, too bad. Your customer appearance, or customer appearance. Customer customer service. <laughs> or your character appearance. So this one could be a plus or minus to a lot of people. Because in the various stages of vampiric disease, your skin will turn a pale white, your eyes will turn red. This is the case for all races, including Argonians. I had my really nice, cool, like, black and white striped dude, and he became a vampire, and now he's white. Um, so as you progress through the stages, the, the effect will become more pronounced. For some, it's a huge draw. To others, it's a deal breaker, especially like if you want your cutie-tootie looking character, you want it to look a, a certain way, then right. out you go. Um, PvP and Silver Bolts. Okay. As a vampire in PvP, you have a chance of taking increased damage from a Fighter's Guild skill called Silver Bolts. If you're a PvP, a PvP or you know exactly what this is. This ability can hurt if you're an undead, which as a vampire you are. It deals physical damage and knocks down the undead and Daedric enemies for three and a half seconds and has a 5% chance to banish the same types of targets. The morph, Silver Shards and Silver Leash, hit two additional targets or pull the target toward the user, respectively. So, Silver Shards hits two additional, Silver Leash pulls the character to you. That can be kind of a pain in the butt when you're in PvP, yeah. so be, be aware of that. Um, how to cure vampirism in ESO. If you're just flat out over it, you can cure your vampirism by visiting a priest of RK and by paying a small fee. 
If you decide to cure it, though, the game will save the experience that you gained in the skill line in case you decide to go back and get it again. You will start uh, start where you left off with skills. Yep. So that's, in a nutshell, vampirism in ESO. Yeah, you know, uh, I think it only costs like 600 gold to get cured. It's a pretty low amount. Yeah, that's actually not bad at all. Mm-mm. No, it's pocket change, bro. Pocket change. Rah, that was rah. good. That was fun. Thank you. Thank you. Better, better, good. Better, better, good. Oh, hey, listen. I think he's wearing bells. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> what a good dude! What's oh, up? I've been so looking kind. for you. Got something I'm supposed to deliver. Your hands only. He didn't want to jump scare us this week. Thank you. Yeah, he made me uh, thankful I wore my brown pants. All right, thanks, sir. Uh, well, it is that time for the mail. You call us, you email us, and we talk about it here on this show. And our first one here, we're getting a lot of Justins, and they're not the same one. A lot of J's out there. A lot of J's. First one uh, from this Justin, which is a different one from the other one. Hey, guys, my name is Justin, and I play on Xbox. Just started playing ESO this past June, and I'm loving it. My friend showed me your guys' podcast, and I just want to say this is very helpful for a noob like me. Last week, Jibs mentioned he finished leveling his new tune to level 50. Congrats. Thank you. I have been doing PvE the whole time playing ESO with my Magblade, and I wanted to start a new PvP tune. I was wondering what method or grind you guys do to get to level 50 quick. We, I think we have answered this before yeah. quite some time ago. But, Cash, do you want to take the lead? Yeah, yeah, no problem. So, um, one of the best things to do, there's, there's a few different methods you can do. Um, one of the biggest ones is by doing dolmens. Dolmens are the anchors that Molag Ball drops into Tamriel that seat themselves onto the surface of Nern to try and pull Nern into oblivion. So they pop all over the place. They make that really distinct, loud sound that you can hear from miles away. But those are excellent ways to level up rather quickly. So you grab a set of training gear. That is gear that's appropriate for your level that has the training trait on it. Throw that on. Throw on one of the millions of experience scrolls that we get through daily rewards or, um, you know, that you get in the level up process. Or you can pick some up in the crown store. Throw those on. Get yourself in one of the dolmen groups. The two busiest dolmen groups are going to be Aradon. There's three dolmens you hit in a rotation. And the next one, even busier and faster, is the one in Alakir Desert. Three dolmens that you hit, it you'll be lucky to be able to keep up with them with a new uh, character. Sometimes the load screen is done by the time I get through and get all the way down there on a new character with a slow mount. But that the Alakir Desert one is hands down the better one to do. But you can gain gear appropriate for your level, um, all types of gold, things that you can deconstruct, and then, of course, lots and lots of XP. From doing the dolmens. The next one is PvP Battlegrounds. Outstanding way to level, most particularly if you are with a new group or with a group who knows what they're doing. Because once you start racking up those wins, you can start racking up uh, alliance points and also 
tons and tons of XP and gear to be had from PvP Battlegrounds. Um, another method you can do is just running dungeons over and over again. It's a very good way to get that done and to bring those experience points up mm-hmm. and also get gear. So the last two, Battlegrounds and Dungeons. If you run every day your first random Battleground or your first random Dungeon in the Dungeon Finder you or the Group Finder, you will get a... a very, very highly increased amount of XP. And you'll notice that the readout, which is appropriate appropriate for your level on that interface is purple. That means that you have not done your daily yet. If it turns, I think it turns white. Blue. Blue. Okay, so when it turns blue, that means you've already done your daily for the day. And you'll get less XP, but still a pretty decent amount of XP for completing those randomly. So every day, make sure that you do your random BG and your random dungeon and you will rack up some serious points. At least at least a level on each Yep, is a really, really quick way to uh, increase. The other one that, uh, Jibs, we did talk about this one maybe last week or the week before. The other really good way to do it is to go to a public dungeon. Set yourself up in a public dungeon. If you're at the point to where you can solo those, you can rack up XP in a hurry. Just yeah. kill all the things. In a public dungeon, and when they respawn, do it again. Yep. Uh, correction: blue for dungeons, white for for uh, battlegrounds. After you've already done your daily, so heads up okay. on that. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Agreed, one hundred percent. Everything Cash just told you. There's actually another really quick tip that I've picked up when I was leveling uh, the uh, my newest tune to fifty. Was what really matters is when you start using the experience scroll. I highly recommend this. Anytime I log in, I do not pop an experience scroll until A, I get in my first dungeon. I do my dungeon first because if you're a DPS, guess what? You're probably going to be sitting around waiting longer than versus being a tank or a healer. So the moment I enter that dungeon, I pop the experience scroll. After that dungeon's done, I immediately queue up for the battleground, get that done out of the way, after the battleground's over with, then use the remaining time on dolmens. Doing so, I, I think that's just a habit a lot of people have, is they'll immediately pop that experience scroll while they're running around doing some questing. Hold off and save that, so that way you can make use of it later, because really you got to think long-term. you got to get that dungeon done, which probably takes about 20-25 minutes, depending on your group. Then you got to get that battleground, and that's assuming if you can get within the top two, um, if your team's first or second, you, you complete that. And then, whatever remaining time you use on dolmens, you got to think long-term with those. So keep in mind Agreed. when you're using your scrolls. Agreed. Uh, thanks so much, Justin. Appreciate it. Next Thank one. You, Good luck. Last one here from Sophie. Ooh, I don't know if we can answer this. Last episode, you mentioned this month you would be wrapping up Season 2 of the podcast. Any hints you can give us as to what is in store for Volume 3. Hmm. Well, I missed my barmaid. All right. I think we'll leave it at that. Okay, I'll give you one more hint. Okay. Jibs and Cash don't die. They don't die. There you go. So there's that. Other than that, nope. Nope.
<laughs> Not telling. Here's, here's the reason why. I have a general storyline, right? But each week before the show, not necessarily right before the show, but before the show, I write them. So after the show, we record them. Mm-hmm. So re- literally week to week is how we do it. I don't have like a whole like long, super long thing written out. I just have an idea of where I want to take the story. And then I literally write it out week to week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Good things coming though. Exciting things. I like it that people like it. Yeah. It makes me so happy. Agreed. Agreed. Well, thank you all so much for your emails and your constant support and always listening to the show. This was episode 13 of the Lore Seekers podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, we know we know you all are listening from various platforms. I do. I use all kinds of podcast apps. And uh, But if you're using iTunes, we would love to see a review from you. For every five-star review, we'll give you a shout-out and show you some love on the show. And speaking of, we got a couple here. This one, uh, first one up is Fufu, the best from us says uh, you can love that <laughs> it's fun to say you guys <laughs> you guys make me love the game all over again i've played since day one with the off and on of great guilds what you guys do make the whole experience great in game and out of game thank you you're welcome thank you fufu that's cool that's awesome uh next one from Karazer from the I'm united sure kingdom that's Kurzar, but that's Kurzar. okay yeah that one uh, what a show! Jibs and Cash have an excellent podcast here. Whether you're a longtime fan of ESO or a complete newcomer, this is a must listen. I myself played the ESO beta and dipped in and out of the game over years, but never really had a passion for it. My father, who is 700 plus CP sort, oh, that's awesome, <laughs> I yep. must add, and puts me to shame, told me I had to listen to these guys, and now I can't get enough. It's given me such new enthusiasm for the game. I've even started to RP my characters. Look at that, Cash Influence. Uh, I really can't thank you guys enough for just being you and having such affection for a game I always loved for its lore, but never really knew how to appreciate it. Moloch's greetings to you from the UK, Chris. Yes, so I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure... That I had an outstanding conversation with Kurizar's father last week on Discord. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. So I'm pretty sure these guys joined our guild. And unfortunately, they play on PS4 EU, which broke my heart when I was talking to dad. Uh-huh. Because I would love to have them in the guild. But it doesn't matter if we don't have a guild yet in your region you can still join our discord and hang with all the peeps and talk lore and talk about games and ask questions and all that kind of stuff um anyway his father his name his screen name is monocle and i had just a great conversation about him and his son and the game and the cast and um just an awesome personality on dad. I haven't had a chance to talk to Kurzar yet, but this is a snapshot of the the range that we're bringing into the Lore Seekers. And yeah, it makes me it. so happy to see that. Family members playing, 
super wise folks who've lived a great life and are just killing it. You know what I mean? They're just enjoying everything in the game and interacting all the way down to young people. It yep. makes me so happy to see that we have that range in Lore Seekers and we're continuing to build a really, really neat community. And honestly, our community, our guilds have become a major part of the drive for Jibs and I to continue doing the show. And not that we're thinking of not doing the show, but it drives us to continue putting out quality stuff for you guys because we get feedback from this every single week. And it's real feedback from people who are listening to the show and then getting into game with us and playing. For instance, um, Wandering Bard and Rakaziah last night. Two folks who we, we knew were in the guild, but we actually got a chance to pull them into our stream last night and run PvP with them. And we had a blast playing with those guys. So it is, and that's repeating itself every week. It's repeating itself on the stream where we're bringing people into play. And we are truly putting forth the effort to not just make this a community, but make this a gaming family. Yeah. And I really, in my heart of hearts, I know that we're uh, succeeding in doing that. So if you're playing this game by yourself and you no longer want to play this game by yourself, come join us. Yeah, on our old podcast, we always used to say, stop gaming by yourself. Right. Come join and join right. the community. That's the same thing here. Cash, go ahead and tell them about Extra Life. Yeah, so let's talk about Extra Life. We actually have a incredible group of people that are going to be doing Extra Life this year. If you're not sure what Extra Life is, Extra Life is a 24-hour gaming charity that benefits the Children's Miracle Network. That is 170 different children's hospitals throughout the U.S. and Canada. And we're going to be playing 24 hours um, for that cause this year. Now, we've been able to get our ESO podcast fam together. And it looks like uh, most of the podcasts are going to be taking part in this. Um, We're really looking forward to it. And I think everybody's going to be streaming on their own channels. We're just going to be pumping everybody else up and jumping over and doing cannonballs in each other's chat rooms and raiding and uh, possibly doing some things together on stream, uh, some events and stuff together. But it's just going to be a really good time for us to um, celebrate what we're trying to do for these kids in children's hospitals. If you want to take part in it, go to extra-life.org, sign up. The event this year is on November 3rd, which is where we'll be uh, streaming all day, all night. And you'll get your own page to fundraise if you'd like. If you don't want to fundraise, then no problem. If you have a few extra dollars, you can throw them towards um, our account. But you can join our team. So extra-life.org, sign up for the event, and then you can join our team. All you got to do is go into the search box and search Lore Seekers Guild, and you'll find us. And join right up. It's wide open. doesn't matter who you are, where you are. You can help. That's right. There you go. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be amazing well you can always call us 765-382-6961 we like what we hear leave us a voicemail around one minute or less we will uh play it on the show you can email us uh Podcast at gmail.com you can also visit loreseekerspodcast.com and fill out a form at the bottom of the page which i think 
maybe getting a facelift soon, so you can look out for that as well. Uh, you can uh, join the guild at loresecretspodcast.com slash guild. Just go all the way to the bottom, click the link, join the Discord server, or download Discord, join the Discord server, and as soon as you join now, we've got it set up to where you will immediately receive a, a direct message that kind of details the next process for you. It's pretty simple, and uh, we have a lot of people joining. It's a good time. Um, let's see. You can find this show wherever podcasts are available. This includes Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, and all kinds of many more. Wherever it's free, that's where we're at. And uh, after you're done listening to this episode, here's what I want you to do. Go out there and listen to some more amazing ESO podcasts, including the Tenets Podcast, Tales of Tamriel, Elder Scrolls, OTR, Sons of Sisthus, and Written in Uncertainty. You can follow us on Twitter, myself at JibsIRL, Cash at LoreSeekerCash with a K, and most importantly, the show at LoreSeekersCast. We hope you had a good time. Hope you have a great week. Have a great weekend. Stay safe. Be awesome. We'll see you next week. Willy dilly. Dilly dilly. Listen to the storyline. Stuff's getting thick. Midnight on Lordas, 20th of Last Seed, 2nd Era, Year 584. The darkness fell quickly on the day as we anticipated what we needed to accomplish. We were all in position and ready to set our plan into motion. Cash and I had donned fishermen's garb and packed away our belongings into fish baskets slung around our necks for the walk down the docks toward the ship. Our staves had been wrapped in linen, disguised as fishing poles. We would raise no eyebrows walking through town and getting down to the docks to the boat. At this time of the night, we would simply look like fishermen packing our boat for an early morning trip. And luckily for us, this sort of thing was a usual display in Woodhearth. There was a small fishing vessel docked adjacent to our target ship, the Jester. We'd walk down the docks, pretending to head toward the smaller boat. We would then make sure nobody was on the deck of the Jester and board the ship. Cash and I would set the sails. Naraya and Wolven were in position to move to the docks and release the ship's dock lines as soon as we were ready. Their signal was when they saw those sails drop. The plan was set. The winds were perfect, just as Wolven had said. Warm, plentiful, and headed in the direction we wanted to go. I know Cash was worried about how two non-sailors were going to get this speedy ship through the seas all the way to Somerset without an issue. Truth was, I spent three seasons at sea, working a merchant ship as a teenager. I remembered how to sail, tend the halyard, drop the sails, adjust the heading, trim the jib sheets, trim the main sails, release the ties from the dock, cleats, and off we go. All we needed was our plan to go off without a hitch. But we knew better. With Cash and I, there was always a hitch. And it was time. Cash and I started down the dock. It felt more like walking the plank, to be honest. Our plan was too easy. We moved slow and steady, 
scanning right and left without looking too obvious. The docks were nearly empty at this time of night. The only sounds we could hear were the gentle offshore breeze, the creaking of the mast swaying in the wind, and the water gently lapping on the sides of the boats. Nobody was in sight. Halfway down the dock, still clear. Cash and I reached the gangway and took one final look on the top deck. Empty. We boarded the ship. Cash set down her staves and unwrapped them, stowing them nearby just in case. The sails were tied up, but the halyards were easily accessible. I set to work on the jib, making sure to lower it slowly and quietly. No issues. The sail paid out beautifully, and it immediately began to gently gather the wind. Cash was at work on the mainsail, and I quickly but quietly made my way over to help him. The mainsail was heavy. The resistance of the halyard caught Cash off guard, letting the last ten feet of the sail drop against the boom. The whizzing of the free halyard under tension and the crack of the sail hitting bottom sent a loud sound across the small bay. The silence was broken. We paused for a second to see if anyone was alerted, but heard and saw nobody. The wind slowly gathered behind the mainsail as the breeze subsided for a moment. In that moment of quiet, however, the door to the ship's cabin burst open with a booming crack. Standing in the doorway of the cabin was a sizable orc. His dark shade of green may have been a result of the lack of lighting, but he looked no less challenging than he would have in full sunlight. He wore torn tan pants, a heavy leather belt, and no shirt. In each hand was an unsheathed cutlass, exactly what you'd expect a salty sea pirate to carry as a weapon. Well, I thought, better to deal with this skeever here and now than on the high sea. Our staves were at least 20 feet from where we stood. The orc was closer to them than we were, but he hadn't noticed them yet. His beady eyes were locked on Cash and I. But had he recognized us yet? Bold move. Elker's gonna love it when I tell him this story. When I deliver your heads. The angered orc laughed and charged. Yep, I said. He recognized us. <laughs> the orc was closing the distance at full speed. Which turns out, was pretty impressive for a beast his size. From the corner of my eye, I saw a bright blue glow and I heard the distinct crackle and pop of a summoning spell to my right as Cash brought his minion to life. He barely completed the spell as the orc reached him, lowered his shoulder and planted it into Cash's chest. Cash went skittering across the deck with a thud. The orc was focused on watching Cash land in a heap, so I took the opportunity to dart the 20 feet to our staves. The orc alerted to the movement and stood up straight, peering at me as he tracked his next target. From a dead sprint, I slid on my knees to reach the staves. I stood up, one in each hand, and turned to face the hulking beast. He grinned and started a slow walk in my direction, one sword above his head and one in a defensive position. Each of his steps thudded on the deck, and his pace grew faster as he closed in, but lightning engulfed his body. Cash's minion had casted a sphere of blue, crackling light toward the orc, and it hit him square in the back, stunning the beast momentarily. I seized the opportunity to slide Cash's staff along the deck in his direction. Cash, on his knees and recovering from the orc's ferocious leap, caught the staff as it slid home. We both stood, staves posed to strike. For a brief moment, I thought, Where are Nern, are Wolven, and Naraya? Sails are down! The wind had kicked back up and the sails had filled, pulling the ship 
taut against the dock lines holding it in place. And we needed them to cut those lines for you or we'd be dead in the water. No matter. We were busy at the moment and we'd have to worry about that later. The orc was stunned, but not out of the fight. Cash was in the same shape. The orc stood between Cash and I, with Cash's little sidekick welling up another glittering ball of fun. I caught Cash's eyes across the deck. We both smiled a wry grin. The swashbuckling orc realized what was about to happen, and he let a bellowing roar. Just as the minion's lightning orb struck the orc on his side, Cash and I charged up a heavy attack from our staves. The orc screamed from the shocking burn, just in time to receive two additional sources of electricity, one in his chest and the other in his back. The orc was powerless. He fell to his knees, dropping his cutlass in the process. He was completely engulfed in crackling blue amperage that was quickly emptying his life. He stood there, not uttering a word as his flesh cooked, his feet not even touching the deck of the ship. We continued to rain lightning until our full heavy attack cycle finished. The orc dropped to the deck of the ship, obviously dead. His corpse was a charred hunk of black and green flesh, smoke bellowing from the small fires that had lit upon his flesh. Residual flashes of blue electricity continued to pulse through him until they found their path to the ground. Just then, the sound of yelling and footsteps on wood planks filled the air. Cash and I darted to the port side of the ship to see the commotion. Naraya was on a dead sprint down the docks, yelling something intangible. In pursuit were at least five leather-clad assassins, about 30 meters behind her. Naraya reached the end of the dock, but there was no sign of Wolven. Naraya, trying to catch her breath, looked up and yelled, Get ready, my knife yet friends. It's time to go! Naraya unsheathed a dagger and with a skillful swipe cut the dock lines holding the jester at port. The ship lurched forward and began to leave its berth as the sails caught the full force of the wind. Feeling the movement of the ship, I immediately ran to the wheel of the ship and took control. Cash stayed at the ship's edge and conjured crystal fragments toward Naraya's pursuers, setting the first of them to arrive off balance. Naraya! Cash yelled. Jibs! We can't leave them! but Naraya, it seemed, would be fine. Cash, looking upon her, never expected to see what he saw. She moved like a well-choreographed dance, blades twirling in her fingers as she tiptoed around each attacker, avoiding errant swipes and arrow shots directed at her. Cash didn't even see the killing blows, but one by one, they fell. One grasped his stomach, crimson blood flowing from an unseen puncture wound. Another grasped for his throat, a fountain of bright red blood spurting from leaking neck arteries that would not be controlled. The two bowmen could not catch a break as she flawlessly and deftly avoided their shots, as if they were peacefully jumping from pondstone to pondstone on a lazy afternoon jaunt. But they did catch her throwing knives, each directly inserted into the men's throats, giving them a stifling, choking death. The last man in the line, witnessing the death of his companions, turned and ran back down the docks, hoping to avoid death. But Noraya transitioned to the bow slung on her back, quickly knocked an arrow, breathed in and aimed for a second, and let it fly. The man, turning to see if he'd made it out of danger, exploded in a cloud of green. Poison. He fell to his chest, his arms not able to support his fall. He did not move again. Wow, Cash thought. That was amazing. 
No wonder Wolven. Wait, Wolven, where is he, Noraya? Cash yelled as the jester gained speed and distance from the docks. Naraya yelled her reply with remorse. These Wansari Cash, they have him!